live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team, Drew one and Brent It's the T.C. Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain, T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fuchs. right up front, Yager now in. Glad to have you with us. You know what today is? It's a terrible Tuesday. That's right, where we get to vent our frustrations in the sporting world. Plenty to hit on today. VGK Frank, Ballpark Frank, Frank Harnish in the house today, along with the man, the myth, the legend himself, wearing the blue today, the blue singlet, the Earthquake. I'm here. You're here, man. I'm here. There you go. All right. Glad to have you aboard, abroad, abreast, wherever you may be. I need a drop for VGK Frank. I got to find some. I was thinking like the Chicago goal horn. We've used that for Stevie Slapshot, but we should use that for Frank. Yeah, I I, I got to have a. We're coming up with something. Don't worry. Drop for Frank. I'm kind of like you know promoting like next Tuesday's our grand opening anyway because for us in sports talk radio the day after Labor Day is our New Year. Yeah, that is our January first. That's our Rose Bowl. Uh, If you want to go in the NASCAR world, that's pretty much our. You know, Daytona 500, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, a lot of new shows launch and all that sort of thing. We'll be so ready to go. We'll, for- be, we'll be ready to go. And uh, as we return to the Cosmopolitan, actually, yeah. this Friday, we will be back at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. So we invite you to come on out there and join us. Of course, our Best Bet segment will reconvene, not necessarily this week, but next week. Uh, Brian Benowitz uh, in the crew will be out there having a good old time as well, too. So you can always check that out. And also, our Picks for OV contest underway uh, for Las Vegas' favorite charity, Opportunity Village. The charity football contest will start, and we'll give you an opportunity to get involved with that as we got some free entries to give away with that uh, starting on Tuesday as well, too. It's important to help out Opportunity Village this year. It's my favorite charity. It's always been my favorite charity. And with Halloween and the magical forest being postponed this year that's a huge money maker for opportunity village and they're in a, they're going to be in quite the hole so yes. whatever you can do to help yes yeah so and to say huge money maker is an understatement right. for sure mm-hmm. i mean that's literally their life's blood yeah. for uh for everything they do over there and they do a lot of great stuff for the yeah. community i've been very happy to be involved with them for the past couple of years and then with our football contest you get to pick five nfl games against the point spread and you get a chance to win some valuable prizes and like we talk about, you're supporting a great cause, Opportunity Village, Las Vegas' favorite charity serving adults with intellectual disabilities. We'll be giving away 10 free entries, and uh, they're normally $50 for a sign-up, $95 for two. And again, you get your picks in, done online. Uh, you get to pick five games against the Las Vegas point spread. And uh, this year's uh, partner is, is William Hill against the William Hill line. And uh, so you have till. September 11th, 9-11, to sign up for that. Uh, the cutoff time is 5 p.m., and then uh, you'll get a weekly link on Wednesday to pick your five games. So uh, uh, we will be giving some free entries away. All you nice. have to do is call in and win. We'll do a little Twitter contest. That's great. And, of uh, course, uh, you guys will participate as well, too, so we'll have some fun with fun. that. So that is something that is definitely not 
terrible on this That Tuesday. is correct. You know what else is not terrible? The Vegas Golden Knights going for the clincher tonight, Game 5, Wait. face-off 6.45 p.m. I know they're going to be a, they are a heavy favorite uh, again, but... I cannot see the Golden Knights uh, losing tonight. They're coming off that 5-3 victory. And like we talked about yesterday at length, uh, you know, now leading the series three games to one, just seemed like Vancouver kind of mailed it in. What do we expect from Vancouver tonight? I don't know. Um, their coach, uh, Green, has said that he was asked about Markstrom starting in goal. He said, tune in and find out. So mm. they don't even know if their starting goaltender is going to be in there. There's talk that Demko might play. I think Demko is going to play. Uh, if yeah. he does, yeah. I... Lights out, right? Although I don't think Markstrom has been great. I do think he's better than Demko. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big thing. And I, th- I thought it was funny when DeBoer was asked once again about who the starting goaltender was going to be tonight. <laughs> and he basically came out and said, are we going to do this dance every day? My feet are sore. Yeah, It's like, hey. I'm not telling you. We all know it's going to be Robin Leonard. Right. right. We but, do. But he's like, really? Are we going to literally do this every single day? Okay, well, once again, not telling you. To to your point that you brought up yesterday, so if Demko and Flurry started in net, you would have the battle of the undefeateds in the playoffs because of how you're talking about, oh, Flurry's 2-0, Demko's 1-0, so there you go. I mean, theoretically, <laughs> two of the three of us could go in there and it would be the battle of the undefeateds. That's true, very true. I haven't lost yet. Two of the three. Why not three of the three? Because there's only two teams. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it, it's hard to get three goalies to start really? when there's two teams on the ice. We could bring Quake in, like, maybe in the, the first the shift change, you know? Now, I, one of us could be the John Merrill or something and start at a different position. They would also go. be undefeated. But, but as far as in net, only two people yeah, can start in yeah. the game. Well, you guys would be better in net than I. I'm a I would be. Well, we'd exactly. be bigger in net. Yeah. You, you might be a little quicker. <laughs> Too funny. You know, All right. I, 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 if they put a Freddy's wrapper around the Ooh, puck, we might stop it. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Of course, might try to grab it needed afterwards, but we might stop it originally. <laughs> of course. Golden Knights, 645 tonight. Uh, Pete Gillen will join us, too. Uh, Pete is always a great guest, uh, hilarious as well, too. CBS Sports College basketball analyst, but a former coach at Xavier, Providence, and Virginia. We will get his thoughts on John Thompson. We, were, uh, we had Steve Lapis on yesterday, the former Villanova coach. I want to have Pete Gillen on as well, too. We couldn't fit them both in yesterday, so Pete says, hey, uh, let me let, let me come on tomorrow. We, he said yesterday, so uh, always good to have Pete on as well too. And uh, he's got some great thoughts about John Thompson. So we'll spend another day uh, reminiscing and getting hearing some probably some pretty funny stories about uh, Big John Thompson from Pete Gillen as well too. Yeah, and of course, John Thompson passing away yesterday. And like we mentioned, too, uh, we didn't get a lot of chance to talk about Lou Dolson. Lou Dolson yes. also passing away over the weekend on Saturday. So uh, a tough run for college basketball uh, mm. coaches. Two of the greatest ever. Two Hall of away. Famers. Yeah, oh, for absolutely. Yeah, two absolutely. Hall of Famers passing away within 48 hours apart. Uh, very, very sad. All right, terrible Tuesday. It's terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Well, the kings of college football really not setting a good example because if we look at what is happening in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, <sighs> COVID is running rampant. And when Nick Saban made the comment months ago saying, hey, our players are more safe on campus if we send them back home. Well, really, it's not the players because Alabama's players have been pretty good. But it's the students 
on the campus of Tuscaloosa that have been the problem. Positive COVID tests have risen up on campus. They, when students came back to school, the first test they had were 1%. That was pretty good. Next day, up to 4%. Then it went to 5%. And then they tested students in the basketball arena at the Coleman Coliseum a few days ago. 29% of Tide students have tested positive for COVID. The reason? Well, since school started back up, they've been hitting the bars. They've been out the restaurants. They've been out the bars. Athletic director Greg Byrne called out students and posted a picture of a crowd gathered around. There was like 100 people outside of this bar. Many don't have masks on. No one's social distancing. Called them out, and the tweet read as follows. Who wants college sports this fall? Obviously, none of these people. We've got to do a better job than this for each other and our campus community. Please wear your masks. I know college students are rebellious. I get it. They want to go to football games. But this is hurting the football program. It's hurting the alum who are trying to do their best. But here come the students. It just almost seems like they don't care. And this just is in Alabama. We're hearing about this campus over campus where there have been hundreds upon hundreds of positive tests since school came back. Well, it certainly doesn't help when you have people at the highest level coming out and saying, well, eventually everyone's going to get it anyhow, so let's just go on with our life and do what we want to do. And, gee, wait, you're telling me that college students are going out and partying like they're young and bulletproof and they hear all this stuff about how, well, we were young, so it's not going to affect us anyhow, so they're ignoring it? So all those pictures we've been seeing, maybe they're not all phony stuff and everything. Of course they're going out. And of course if you go to a party and somebody else has it and you're interacting with people and you're probably doing some drinking and maybe sharing the same bottle and doing all sorts of other things, of course it's going to spread. This does spread. Wear a mask. There's a reason the NHL and the NBA are working because they're in bubbles. The WNBA is in a wobble, whatever the hell that is, which I still don't understand. But yes, they're safe and they're doing it right. When you're interacting with people and you know it's already on the campus, your odds of getting it go up exponentially, as our friends at Cox Cable like to say in their commercial. But um, it's not surprising, but it also shows you that you don't have to be a genius to get into college. You can actually be kind of stupid. So what you're saying is they're partying like it's 1999. (laughs) They're partying like they don't care if they make it to 2021. Well, college football is back, though. And if we watched it, it was on TV Friday night. Yeah, we had we had Austin P against Central Arkansas, and of course, Quake, you know what the the chant is at Austin P, don't you? Oh no, I don't. Yeah. I can't wait. Everyone in unison, all together, it's Let's Go P, Let's Go P. Now, do you, do you remember when that really took over and became super popular in the tournament when they made the tournament when Fly Williams was their point guard? Fly Williams. The student body would get up in unison every time they got the ball and say, "Fly is open." <laughs> Let's go pee. That's right. (laughs) That was their chant back in the day. 2,000 fans were allowed to come in the stadium. Yeah, not all of them showed up. But so the opening kickoff of the season, you know, we we got it. And the first play from scrimmage was a 75-yard touchdown run. Crowd going crazy. And actually, it looked good. It sounded good. It's like, okay, college football is back. And, you know, I am a firm believer that this can work. We're playing in massive stadiums. You don't need to have huge crowds, but we need to have some crowds. We do. You're playing outdoors. You're playing in huge stadiums. Yes, it can work, okay? Wake Forest comes out today and says, you know what? We really thought about this. 
They got their opener against Clemson. Nah, no fans. Wait a minute. If Central Arkansas can do it, and other teams are thinking about doing it, now I'm saying you don't have to limit it to 2,000 fans because Central Arkansas, the capacity is probably like you know less than Sam Boyd Stadium. You know, but again, at these major stadiums, you could have fifteen to twenty thousand. You could spread it out. And again, why can't all colleges be on the same page? And let let's let's make the facts here. They need some revenue. Okay, they they are going to take these huge hits this year. And if you continue to play, at least you're going to get the television revenue. But at least. You know, you can get some of this revenue in. And I'm a firm believer, if people are smart, if you take their temperatures before they walk in and you wear your mask, okay? And here's the big part for me. You guys have had six, seven months to figure this out, college football. I firmly believe if you put your heads on right, you communicate right, you plan out right, yes, you can have fans at college football games. Firm believer. And you know the best part about the smaller fans in the stadium? When they do the chant of let's go pee, the line's not going to be that long, so you're not going to miss much. This is true. <laughs> All right. Uh, where do we go from here? All right. Josh Gordon is back in the news, fellas. Did you hear? Yes. No. He wasn't suspended for the seventh time. That's right. Six times he's been suspended. It's like the Steve Howell football. There you go. <laughs> but Josh Gordon apparently went to the pawn shop. I don't know if you heard about this. Well, literally he didn't go to the pawn shop, but his... 2018 Super Bowl championship ring was sold at auction for $138,000. Yes, he sold his Super Bowl ring. Now, his Super Bowl 53 ring that was gifted to him by the Patriots. Okay, Patriots beat the Rams, if you remember, in that Super Bowl a couple seasons ago. All right, this was gifted to him. And the reason why it was gifted because you can make the argument that maybe Josh Gordon really didn't earn it. He played 12 games before being suspended in December of that season. Uh, he missed the playoffs, including the 13-3 victory over the Rams. So does Josh Gordon really need this kind of money? And then, this is a Super Bowl ring. We've always questioned how important football is to some of these guys. You won a Super Bowl ring, the pinnacle of your career. People would die for this, and you hawk it. For 138 grand, which is a fraction of the salary that he earned last season with Seattle. I don't know if he needed the money. Maybe he didn't think the ring was that uh, valuable to him. Maybe, like you said, maybe he felt he didn't earn it, so he figured out we should get something out of it. Maybe he thought somebody else Give would it to enjoy a charity or something than him. I can't understand. I can't explain why he did it. But you know what? It is his. He does have the right to do it. I still think it's stupid. I still don't understand it. But he didn't ask our opinion. <laughs> 138 grand. I wonder how much of that he actually gets. Because if you you know bring in an auction and you sell it via an auction, obviously they get a percentage of this deal. There's also taxes on it. There you go. Right. I think the auctioneer would t- probably what 25 percent maybe they take the the company the company the auction yeah. company. That's what I'm thinking. And maybe 20 percent something like that. So yeah. Maybe he's walking away with. 80, uh, under 100 grand. Yeah, 70, 80,000. I don't know. There you go. Josh Gordon in the news again for the wrong reasons. Well, you know, speaking of wrong reasons, we love to in this society on social media, and this is one of the reasons I call social media hater aid. We love to just hate on everybody. You know, Tuka Rask left the bubble in the NHL when the Boston Bruins were playing early on in the playoffs, and. People just ripped him to death for it. Did he go get some chicken wings at Magic City? He did not go get chicken wings. But here's a recent uh, text that somebody sent out about Tuca. 
This is from Mark Johnson. As a lifetime Bruins fan, I'm disgusted by your cowardly decision to give up. You quit on Boston, your coaches, all of your teammates, yourself, every Bruins fan. I hope that I never, all in capitals, have to see you in a black and gold sweater with the spoked B again. So just letting Tuca have it for being a quitter. When I was, it comes out, and we heard Boston basically not saying too much about this, but saying that the team supported him. A lot of people thought, well, they, how can they really support him? He walked out on his team. Both of you guys are fathers. I'm not. Turns out Tuka Rask got a call in the bubble from his wife. There was a medical family emergency. He spoke to his daughter on the phone. His daughter was apparently in the hospital. We still don't know exactly what was wrong because they're not letting all that out. Tuka Rask had a sick child in the hospital... She was in tears, saying, when you're coming home, Daddy, basically. His wife was just absolutely freaking out because this was still during the start of the playoffs. He could be there for a couple, three months at that point. He left to help out his family and be with them. He put his family first. By the way, this is a man that's already won a Stanley Cup ring. Not that that even makes a difference, but it's not like it's something that he's never done before. For all you people that want to immediately rip people, how about trying to get the facts a little bit first? If you still hate on him, fine. But as parents, would you guys put your children above your jobs? I think I know you well enough to say that that answer would be yes. You know, how about the Bruins organization of maybe putting this out early on to explain that? Why? You know, and we see this with the he NHL. Asked not to. He, he asked, asked them, them not, not to. to. Yes. Okay. He, he said he wanted to okay. keep everything personal on that. They said that there was a family, a medical emergency. But you know That's you got boneheads that are going to react like this. But but, but but if his request is he didn't want it to get yeah. personal, he said he did. Plus, he also said my mind wasn't on hockey. I would be a complete distraction to the team if I was there. If you're going in net in the playoffs and you're thinking about anything but playing goalie, you're probably going to get lit up like a pinball machine. Without getting specific, though, don't you think that you can say for personal family reasons or personal reasons, then that'll shut people up? They did say that. Nobody believed it. People uh, still ripped him on social media. They said it was personal reasons. They even said medical emergency. People still didn't care. They thought they were making it up. I think there's just too many... Window lickers out there that just they're just idiots and they just yes. nothing you tell them is going to matter. Haterade, baby. Haterade's awful. I like it. All right. This is true. All right. Uh, more Major League Baseball COVID news. You probably heard the news over the weekend. The A's and the Astros game was postponed on Sunday. I was really looking forward to this because the Astros had swept the A's in the doubleheader the day before. The Astros had a chance with a victory to cut their lead to, to a game and a half, and then Sunday morning I get up and say, I, I hear, oh, the game is postponed. For what reason? Well, we know it can't be weather because the Astros play indoors. But then we find out the A's had a positive COVID test. They weren't saying player or person of the organization. Uh, I happened to find out that the reason for this, and this was not made public uh, to, to anyone out there, is that the A's left the hotel while they were in Houston. Now, it is supposed to be, okay, it's not any major league baseball rule, but I have told you guys, you know, before that, you know, I had planned to go do some games and go see the Astros this year, but it doesn't make sense because the Astros, when they go on the road, they're quarantined. So they're only allowed to go to the stadium, the bus, and then come back to the hotel, eat their meals in hotel, this and that. So apparently the A's are not abiding by that. And they let their team go on the road. And this is where this guy contracted uh, COVID-19. So therefore, 
What happened here was that game was postponed on Sunday, and now their game against they're supposed to get on a plane Sunday night and go to Seattle. Well, that's not happening. Now we get word today that that you know they had to you know uh, stay in the hotel in Houston. They were still there as of today until they get their test back because they had to send the test to Salt Lake City. The Astros had to be retested and everything. No Astros you know, tested positive. But here we go again of guys going out, and now the A's are not going to play until Friday at the earliest. So that Seattle series canceled. The Astros were unable to play last night because Texas was coming to town. They had to wait for their test. So one clown screws up four teams of Major League Baseball, and they continue to play catch-up here. You know, I think we need a new slogan for sports right now in 2020. If you're not in the bubble, probably going to be trouble. Yeah. Because it's ridiculous. People, you can't control. Too many people still don't take this serious. And they don't get that I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm going to be fine if I get it. You can still give it to other people. And if you do have it, they're going to shut down your sport. We just talked about Tuka Rasp being ripped on social media for something that he wasn't guilty of. These people that go out and do this kind of stuff, they actually are guilty of the stuff. Knock it off. Yep. And if you don't, then I'm sorry. That guy should have to get up in front and apologize to every one of his teammates, everybody else out there. And quite frankly, I think he should be fined or suspended or something. It's ridiculous. How many? T- we have teams with like 34 games played right now, and then some teams with still 23 or whatever because of this stuff. And it's going to continue on and on again until somebody realizes you've got to get it under control. Yeah. There needs to be rules in place that are the same for everyone because now with the A's, that takes us to, what, five teams, the Cardinals, the Marlins, the Reds, and the Mets, uh, all missing games for positive tests well here's another thing you know i'm not the biggest fan of social media although i'm on it and this is another reason why and why i call it haterade if you're not familiar with jackie redmond she is an analyst on nhl network does a tremendous job i've had the pleasure of meeting her and interviewing her one of the nicest people i've ever met in my life so somebody ted tweets out the other day talking about nhl network and jackie redmond in specific and i'll clean this up so i can say it on the air Isles could win the cups. <laughs> cup. Plural. Isles could win the cups, and you dumb blanks would still not even give them the coverage you deserve. I think it should be they deserve. Yeah. Jackie is a straight up B, but he doesn't say the B, he says the word. So Jackie Redmond, being the class and person she is, says good morning to everyone but this guy. P.S. Ted, if you actually, you know, watch the video. You'd see, I do, in fact, highlight how dominant the Isles have been. She took the high road. Right. She's a wonderful person. Yeah. Why would you even tweet something like this? Why would you, hey, it's I, I get my 15 minutes of fame. Let me call this woman every derogatory name in the book and say how horrible she is. By the way, I didn't even really watch the video because yeah. she actually does give my team some love, and they talk yeah. about it. And I've seen her on Engine Network, and they do that. Yeah. People, think before you hit send, and if you're not allowed to think, then don't hit send. This was our, our story that we uh, talked about last week, if you remember, too, with uh, talking about hitting, uh, you know, thing before you send when the N-word went out and it wasn't Nugget. And yeah. then when you look at your little, you know, keypad there, the well, the I is, uh, what, uh, next to the U and then the, yeah, all that stuff. I mean, again, you got to think. But again, like you said, Frank, 
you know, I'm like you. You know, social media, I'm not a big fan of. And yes, we have to use it because it's our business, this and that. But it's how you use it. That's it. People have way too much time on their hands. That's all I can equate to it. They have too much time on their hands, and they feel the need to have their own platform. Everybody wants to be have a microphone. Everybody wants to be on TV, be on radio, do something, have a millionth podcast so you can have your own voice. This is why this nonsense keeps happening. Yeah, and I think I said if you're not able to think, it should be if you're not able to think, not if you're not allowed to or whatever. Yeah. I mean, this guy, this is obviously stupid. It's just hating on somebody. If you don't like her that much, then why are you yeah. watching? There's 300 channels to choose from. Who's the loser? I'll tell you what, it isn't Jackie Redmond. Good. She's a winner. Good job by Jackie and taking the high road as well, too. All right. How would you guys like to be a player for the Washington football team? Uh, you've had I the, think I was playing soccer, first off. There you go. Endure <laughs> protests over the name change. You have a massive turnover in the front office. You have to deal with the sexual harassment allegations. And now Dan Snyder under allegations that he had a private video made for him of naked Washington cheerleaders. (laughs) Okay, you got it up. I mean, we got training camp. Your team is pathetic. It sucks. It stinks. You don't have a quarterback. You got nothing to go for. And then you're in training camp. And luckily, you know, the media... You're not getting surrounded by the media. You still got to answer media questions via Zoom and all that sort of thing. But still, it is a circus. Can you imagine if we weren't in COVID times what this training camp would be like if for the Washington football players? So what does Dan Snyder say? His response? He goes, the quote, this is a hit job. That's what he's saying. Now, the NFL has taken over the investigation. Enough is enough with, with the National Football League. That's what they're thinking here. And when we've talked to Trevor Maddich and Charles Mann, who are very close to this organization, we'll have them back on again as the story continues to develop here. Dan Snyder's on the verge of losing this franchise. Well, he's on the verge of it, and quite frankly, he probably should have lost it a long time ago. I don't understand a lot of things about this. First off, to say it's a hit job, well, somebody's a video or something out there, there's some kind of evidence going on of something happened. As far as the stuff you mentioned, the training camp and that of being in training camps, this is what should be on Hard Knocks if they really want ratings, something like this here. Because Dan Snyder's absolutely lost his mind. He's crazy about a lot of stuff he does. I think he's the first, or if not the first, he was one of the first to start charging admission to, to Redskins training camps right. years ago. And then you look at the, the other stuff with them. It's like, it, is anybody buying Redskins jerseys and paraphernalia this year no forget about is it, it just going to be empty and then they're going to try to how do they not have a name they've known for years that they were probably going to have to change from the washington redskins how have they not how do they not have a name knowing that this was going to happen i know they've talked about this for over a decade that eventually you'd think they would have maybe thought of some alternatives a long yeah. long time ago yeah. but i guess when you don't think then you don't think of that either <sighs> exactly all right all right uh, it's TV time again. You know how much I love TV time. No problem. Have you guys seen the t- the TD Amatrade commercial? Okay. Now, I'm going to describe it to you, and I want to see if anyone in our audience gets it or you guys get this. All right? So, Dolph Lundgren, okay, is on this commercial. Have you seen the commercial? Yes, I have. Okay. So, there you go. So, the guy, whoever the guy is, is talking to him about helping him with his finances. He's the spokesman for all their commercials. Exactly. So he comes in and is talking to Dolph, and he says, well, you know, I'm trying to help you with your finances in case things get a little rocky. And then Dolph is holding a metal water bottle 
and then snaps it. Did you get it? Well, I absolutely got it. You got it. Quake, do you get it? Yes, I love Rocky IV. Okay, there it is. There it is, okay? But I'm not sure if the viewers are really getting this, especially the younger demo, because here's a guy that looks like he's about 70 years old, and Dolph Lundgren still looks pretty good or whatever, but I'm just not sure that there is that connectivity with the audience. I get it, you get it, but don't you have to be maybe over 45 or 50 to get it? But if you're in a trade company and you're looking for people to invest in stocks and that, maybe that's the demographic they're going after. That's maybe they want people a little bit older that have a little bit more money that are established that are in the trade business. Right. Maybe they don't want millennials and that that don't have money and don't know what to do with it because <laughs> they're still living with mom and dad at home, so they're not going to be trading anyhow. I'm just going out on a, a perch here. Maybe that's the reason Well, maybe don't it. air it then in, uh, in primetime uh, games then. Then you, you better go ahead and, and put in the Lawrence Welk show or, or something. Or maybe they just assume that everybody has seen Rocky. Well, yeah. if, if you saw Creed, uh, Creed yeah. 2 is yeah. all about Drago and his son, and so maybe that maybe is a good point. I didn't, th- I didn't think yeah. about that. Drago is back, right? Yeah, we got Creed. Drago sound at all. Those, the, uh, I, the only thing I have is the, is this one. Okay, the, but I have I'm, this one. Dolph Lundgren, what, 30 years ago? 25 years ago? I don't know. Best thing. Yes, He fights for me. I will break you. All right. If he dies, All right. he dies. All right. So we know that it is really bad COVID time here. I'll leave you with this, guys. Um, I'm, we're looking at ESPN, the bottom line, the ticker, as we always watch for our updates. And I saw this last week. Brady leads Bucks on three scoring drives. Bruce Arians, quote, he was fired up out there. What has it come to? Is this what it's come to now? That we have got to get play-by-play of Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice? Brady leads Bucks on three scoring drives. This was not an exhibition game. Obviously, it's not a regular season game. This was practice. We're talking about practice here, and this appears on the bottom line? Are you kidding me? Next to Lute Olsen's death, we've got Brady leads Bucks on three scoring drives? What are we doing here? Well, it's because Tom Brady, to some people, is bigger than the game itself. They changed the way they pronounced the name of the city for crying out loud in the team. Why wouldn't they do that as well? We're going to hear every update on Brady. I just want to see the first time when he throws a pass and the receiver drops it and Giselle says, why can't they catch the damn ball? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, terrible Tuesday. Uh, here's one for you. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you guys with this. That's okay. You can get rid of the music. But uh, I went to Burger King the other day. I'm, I'm going to say it. I went to the BK the other day. I usually never do this. Never. Never. But tell me if this is strange to you. So I order my food. They ask uh, for my payment. So I give them a card. Okay. Every other place I've been to, I hand them the card, you know, very carefully, the gloves on. This guy puts out a tray. The food tray. He wants me to put my card on the tray. So tell me if this is a little abnormal. This is normal. I have no idea. So I put the tra- uh, the card on the tray. This was not the most sanitary tray, if you know what I mean. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff on this tray. He gives me back my card on the tray. Take the card and being very, very careful that I was doing. Then here comes my food in a bag. On this same tray that even looks like it's more filthy than, than before when my card was on it. I'm not thinking this is the most sanitary way to do fast food. 
The only, Can I get a witness here? Yeah, they're the only place doing it that way. I don't understand it. Everybody else just has, so it wasn't just this guy and me. This is no, how they do it. Any Burger King I've gone to, really, that's how they're doing it, and it makes no sense to me at all. I think it's because um, they originally went down to school and used to party at Alabama, and so that's just the way they do things there. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to come with something with uh, the old Burger King slogan or the guy wearing that. You're going to come with something like that. Give him time. He will. Because he's, I mean, he's got every quick-witted answer you can think of. So I don't know. I, uh, safe to say I'm not going back. Yeah, I don't like Burger King. That, that does not happen at Freddy's. Yeah. Well, ha- having it your way doesn't mean that it's the safe way. Uh, did I tell you? There, there, there it is. There he goes. See, that's a goal horn right there, Quake. I got that, it. That's a jump there. That's VGK Frank, ladies and gentlemen. I think I was under further review there for a minute. <laughs> if you've got some terrible Tuesday takes, hit us at TCBard21 at VGK Frank. And uh, whatever Quake says, we got to get get him a new one. Whatever you it know, doesn't matter. It doesn't. Just don't don't tweet me. Don't, don't, don't tweet him at all. Exactly with your terrible Tuesday takes. When we come back, we reminisce a little bit about John Thompson with the uh, former coach and the CBS Sports analyst Pete Gillen. Hello, I'm Stephanie. I'm from Germany. Yip yeah yo, Schweinebacke. When I'm in America, I'm listening to TC Martin Show. Very sad day, as we talked about yesterday, with the passing of legendary Georgetown Hoya coach John Thompson. Just uh, iconic with the Big East, iconic with uh, college basketball. The first black head coach to win a national championship passed away, unfortunately, at the age of 78. And we had Steve Lapis on uh, with us yesterday and wanted to get our good friend Pete Gillen on with us today because Pete obviously had coached against John Thompson back in the day, uh, his time at Providence, and Pete with a great career as a head coach at Xavier and Virginia as well and does a fantastic job uh, with uh, CBS Sports as their college basketball analyst and uh, a frequent visitor to Las Vegas and, of course, a frequent contributor back in our serial madness Pete Gillen, what is happening, my friend? Glad to uh, have you on again. You got me, TC. Great to be with you. That was the highlight of my burgeoning career. Uh, the serial madness, uh, you took me to the top of the mountain. Well, you took us, Pete. There you go. You carried us on your shoulders. No doubt about that. So uh, let's talk a little bit about John Thompson. First of all, when you heard the news, uh, what were your thoughts about a guy that I know that you know pretty darn well? Very sad, TC. I mean, he was a legend in college basketball, uh, 27 years, the head coach at Georgetown, you know, as you know, winning the national title, 1984, he was one of the faces of college basketball, uh, during the eighties and early nineties. He, and the big East was at its peak. It's a great league right now, but back in the eighties and early nineties, when you had John Thompson and Lou Conaseca and Rolly Massimino and Jim Beheim and, uh, you know, uh, Jim Calhoun from Connecticut, it was like, who's who? Uh, all superstars. Uh, and he was the, the cream of the crop. He won, uh, I think, six Big East tournament titles. But uh, I was very sad. But we lost a legend, and he really will be missed in college basketball. you got to put Pete Gillen on that list of those Big East coaches. What are you talking about? You being so humble now? What's, what's the deal, yeah? I got beat up. No, I, I got beat up a little bit. I'm trying to, you know, bounce back. My cut man had a bad day today. He patched me up, and I got a few holes that I'm, you know, trying to cover up. But, yeah, we banged heads with John when I was uh, at Xavier. We played them in the NCAA tournament. Right. And then at Providence, the head coach for four years there, we banged heads with uh, John Thompson and, uh, you know, uh, Allen Iverson and uh, Alonzo Mourning. Great, great players they had. 
Uh, I didn't coach against Patrick Ewing, but of course he was there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was was honored to coach against him, and he was uh, you know a mountain of a guy, and he was a tremendous presence, and he was a, a father figure to a lot of these young men. And Georgia had a brand throughout the country; they were a national program, and young kids all over the country from east to west. You know, Georgetown fans. You had the Georgetown pants, the Hoya paranoia. So yep. uh, he did an unbelievable job building the program at Georgetown, and he sustained it for so long, 27 seasons, and uh, he had an unreal career. Pete, let's, let's dive into the locker room a little bit. okay? As you were preparing your team to go against Georgetown in a John Thompson-led Hoya team, uh, what were you preparing for, and in and how would you go about getting your guys ready for that? And what was the scouting report on Georgetown? Well, uh, it was very physical, very aggressive. So we said, hey, man, hey, uh, it's going to be a battle tonight. It's going to be really uh, super aggressive. Uh, you can't take a backward step. Uh, if it's too tough for you, I love you, sit down, go into the bench. Uh, you know, we'll get you a donut. But uh, you got to be ready to play. Uh, and I said, hey, I'm not afraid of him. He might kick my butt, but I'm going to take a bat and swing at him. You know, So I showed the kids I wasn't afraid of John Thompson, even though I was. I told them I wasn't. And uh, you know, I said, we can't back down. You know, you're going to fight. And uh, our kids, you know, we did a good job against them. They beat us more than we beat them. We got them a couple of times, but uh, they had a great team. But the big thing is, you know, in for a real battle, real slugfest, because they were aggressive, they were physical, they attacked you, they were deep and uh, athletic. They, they were a great team. You know, Pete, on that point, let me ask you this about the, the rivalries with these schools and specifically these coaches, because we know that Jim Beheim and John Thompson really uh, were adversaries and they really didn't get along. I mean, Beheim openly admitted that. It wasn't until later on that they actually became friends. Uh, it, it seemed like from a distance that there were a lot of coaches that maybe didn't care for John Thompson, didn't get along, or I don't know if those were just you know the, the true battles that went on there within the Big East. It, was that true, or was that a little bit of a misnomer about coaches not liking Coach Thompson? That's a good question, TC. I, I just the competition, the Big East was fierce. The recruiting was fierce. You know, going for Patrick Ewing and people like that. A lot of schools in the Big East were after him. Patrick was from Cambridge, Massachusetts, so. A lot of schools were after him in the Big East. So, you know, there was, it was competition, and uh, that's what it is. When you have rivalries, you know, yeah, people, you know, didn't care for each other. But once the season was over, you know, once the guys retired, and then they got close. Like, Rolly Massimino, you know, he's some bang heads with John. But afterwards, you know, there was a respect there, and they got to like each other again. So I think that's what happens when you're battling, knocking heads with people. You know, you're not really uh, don't care for them. That's, I think that's almost any school when the intensity is great. <clears throat> but I think once you got to know John, he was a, he had a great heart. He really, uh, you know, had a good sense of humor. He was a wonderful man. But you know, going to war, these are battles. So when you go to battle, you know, you're not going to hug your opponent because they, they knock your head off in a minute. So uh, during the time, the competition. You know, maybe people didn't like him that much, but once they got to know him and he retired and the other coach retired, they became uh, uh, good friends in many cases. All right, longtime head coach Pete Gillen joins us, former coach at Xavier, Providence, and Virginia, and does a fantastic job and has for many, many years now on, the, on CBS Sports as our college basketball analyst, T.C. Martin Show, with Frank Harnish here.
Pete, you mentioned a little bit about the recruiting of players on that, and what was it like to recruit against a guy like John Thompson? Were there some coaches when you heard that they were going after a player that you were interested that you kind of threw your hands up and thought, well, I'm not going to get this one, or did you just dig in a little bit harder? And or, or was there ever a time when you were like, well, thank goodness that he's used up all the scholarships he has for this year? Yeah, well, uh, good. another good question, TC. He, uh, he was tough to beat. He was like a father figure to these young men. Uh, you know, Georgetown is certainly a great university. He graduated most of his players. Uh, they played an exciting st- style. So he was tough to beat. We really never beat him in recruiting battles. Uh, you know, we went against him a couple of times, but we knew, you know, that if they really wanted a young man, uh, he's tough to beat because he was winning big when I got there in the Big East, uh, back in 1994 to 98. I was there. He was winning big, won the national title in, you know, 10 years before, and it was always good after that you know, in the Final Four a couple more times. So, uh, you know, we went against him a couple of times, but he beat us every time in recruiting. Because, uh, once again, uh, he, he took care of his young men. He was a father figure. His young men graduated. So they had a, a lot to offer. D.C. is a great city. Uh, you know, we had great programs, too, at Providence and Xavier. But he was tough to beat uh, when he, you know, when he really wanted a young man. Pete, we know that you got stories. You got plenty of stories, and I know there's got to be a good John Thompson uh, story in there from your personal experience. So share one or two with us. Well, uh, one, one game that you can planned, actually tell uh, on the air, Pete. I should say, right? Yeah, I know. I got a lot of stuff here. I got a lot of baggage. You know, I, I was a, a you know garbage man for a long time, TC. So I got a lot of baggage. But uh, we had one game we played, and uh, uh, we're playing against Allen Iverson. Uh, up at Providence, and we had guard sham guard. So we have guard, yeah. you know what I mean, against uh, another superstar, Allen Iverson. And so half of Brooklyn came up. All Brooklyn came up to the game. So we're playing them. It was a really intense game. It was a oh, straight fight right in the beginning, almost a fight, you know, just intensity below. Because we were good. That year, you know, we, we got to the uh, Elite Eight. And so we're playing them. And, uh, you know, Thompson gets a couple of tees. He gets thrown out out of the game. And, People, you know, they had towels. That went. He went to Georgetown. Excuse me. He went to Providence, uh, John Thompson. That's right. Know, so, That's right. So he got thrown out. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I was, was kind of happy there. I said, That's good. We got no problems trying to beat him, you know, with the players. So then uh, we were fortunate to win the game by a couple of points against Allen Iverson, right? So we go into the locker room, and half of Brooklyn's in there. We had three fingered Willie, Batman, Bullhead, Ice Slice, Dice, all sorts of characters, you know. So we're going to say the team prayer. So I said, all right, man, everybody, I looked around, I saw all these guys. I said, no, if we say a team prayer, the building might collapse. So I said, all right, we're going to do the prayer tomorrow. So I said, so no team prayer after the game. But uh, it was uh, some experience to have all these characters from Brooklyn. They wanted to come up to see God Sham, God Play, and Jamel Thomas, who was from Lincoln High School yeah. in Brooklyn, and, and some other guys. So uh, it was a great experience beating them. Uh, we didn't beat him too often. We, we uh, beat him once in the NCAA tournament, Xavier. But he, he beat us more than we beat them. But uh, he, he was a great coach, and uh, it was an intimidating figure. He's a big, I mean, you know, gigantic. You know, almost six eleven, seven foot. You know, three hundred pounds. He, he, I didn't want to get in a fight with him. So you know, if he started walking towards me, I'd pull a hamstring and run right to the emergency room. I, I it wouldn't. I want to mess with him. I'm more interested in, in how you recruited God Sham God. I mean, you're out there recruiting. You know that he was yeah. a great player. Uh, you know, again, but one of the most famous names out there as well, too. Pete Gillen after the all name uh, squad there. Yeah, no, he was. We were fortunate to get him. <clears throat> we knew his high school coach, a guy named Bill Abra from LaSalle Academy in New York City. We knew him well. 
from working at this five-star basketball camp I worked at. And, uh, you know, our assistant, Bobby Gonzalez, at the time did a great job recruiting him. Uh, at one time, he was thinking of going to Lefty Rizel. The left-hander saw him. Lefty was at James Madison, but his coach said, no, I don't think God Sham got at Harrisonburg, Virginia, and all due respect to Harrisonburg, Virginia. I don't know if that's a great fit. So he said, you know, no. You know, he committed to him verbally, but then Billy said, no, I'm sorry. He's not going to go there. Uh, and the young man changed his mind. We were fortunate to get him. He was here for two years, then he went hardship and uh, wound up. Uh, he was uh, on the taxi squad for the uh, Washington uh, Wizards. Uh, and uh, then he wound up playing in Europe for a long time, played in China. Mm-hmm. I still keep in touch with him. Right now he's with the Dallas Mavericks. He's a developmental coach for them. He works with Luka Doncic a lot. And, you know, dribbling and ball handling and helping them, you know, get free and playing angles, et cetera. Uh, so I talked to him the other day after uh, Dallas beat uh, the Clippers, I think, to go to 2-2 before they get knocked out. But he's doing great right now. But we got lucky. He was a little bit – he was a McDonald's All-American, but people really didn't know how good he was. So we got in early and we were able to hang in there. But he wasn't uh, as recruited as hard as maybe he should have been. But he was a great college player. Pete, when it comes to John Thompson again, one of the other things that he was part of the era of was when college basketball coaches really became living legends themselves. In the NBA, the players are generally the stars, although some coaches are very well known. But in college basketball, outside of maybe John Wooden way back in the day, you know, the coaches were known and they actually became stars of the teams. And with John Thompson, he started doing appearances in like movies like Blue Chip and him and Bobby Knight and Jerry Tarkanian out here at UNLV and that. How did that change, and how was that as being a coach, knowing that although you had young kids in that that were going to be stars maybe eventually down the road or something, but you were really kind of the focal point of the media and everything else out there, and how did that relate with John Thompson? Because this was a guy that was known everywhere, not just because of his size, but also his notoriety on the big screen. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, those coaches became, uh, they're the superstars in college. You know, the Tom Izzo's, the Coach K, Coach Yashevsky at Duke, the Roy Williams. You know, those people uh, are legends, you know. Uh, and there's others, of course, but those are some of them. Uh, yeah, it was tough going against a legend, you know. And, and, and referees, I said, hey, you pointed at the Georgetown bat, don't say our ball. No, no, it's, it's, you're supposed to be fair. You know, sometimes he was intimidating. He was a big guy, and if he yelled at you, you, you know, you knew it, you know. And, uh, uh, he was a great coach, and uh, he said he, his kids loved him. The players loved him. They played hard for him because the players knew that John Thompson cared about them, you know, because they graduated. And he looked at a, a lady named Mary Fenlon, who was his academic advisor, did a wonderful job <clears throat> with the players, making sure they get a good education. They graduate, and he graduated something like 75 out of 77 young men that stayed for four years. They didn't go hardship or whatever, transfer. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, it was tough. You go against Coach K and uh, Roy Williams, because referees, they know who's on the other side. You know, whether it's a Lou Conasec or whatever, they know. That, you know, so you got to say, hey, wait a second, there's two teams here. you got to tell the officials, you know, uh, give us both ways. So, um, you know, but it was tough coaching against him. But he was uh, bigger than big, 27 years, and he won every year, 20 wins, 25 wins, 30 wins, you know, Sweet 16, Final Four. So uh, he became – one of the faces uh, of college basketball for a long time. So it, w- it was tough playing against him. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, he was certainly a, a big, big figure and, and uh, you know, one of the key men in college basketball during his time. Yeah, we know that John Thompson had the long towel usually draped over his shoulder. We had Lou Karnasek, like you mentioned, with the sweater. Of course, you know, Jerry Tarkany out here biting the towel. Where, where, where's your trademark, uh, Pete? 
You're missing the boat there. What did you have, or did, did we not see that? You didn't see that. You, you didn't watch us. You were too busy, you know, with the big timers out in Vegas. But I used to kneel on a towel. Yeah. Because I had a lot of, yeah, I used to kneel on a towel for 20 years as a head coach in Division One because I had cheap suits. And if I didn't kneel on them, you know what I mean, I'd have a hole in my knee at the end of the game because uh, I didn't have the, the top-notch suits. But I used to kneel on a towel yeah. uh, you know, when I uh, coached and uh, – I used to cry a lot. I used to cry when I see Law and Order reruns. So I cried a lot. So I, it was to keep my suit from getting a hole in it, and so I didn't cry a lot because I'm emotional. You are, Pete. Uh, what did you have for breakfast this morning, Pete? Did you dip down back in the cereal? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sky blue. Yes, I. Uh, I went with my uh, Cheerios. I forget who won the championship because I, I, you, you dumped me when I got to the finals. Yeah. So no, I, I might have had a commitment, but but I forget. But I had the Cheerios. With blueberries and a banana. I stepped it up. I put a little banana in there. So uh, uh, I'm certainly a cereal guy. I got a tin belly from coaching 30 years. My stomach's a little bit acidic, so the Cheerios help absorb the acid. But I'm a cereal guy, and being on your cereal show, uh, March (laughs) to Madness, was uh, one of the highlights of my life. Well, you know, Pete, I got to tell you, I, I'm glad to know that you kneeled on the towel, but even with the n- odds stacked against you, you never threw in the towel, even going up against guys there like you John go. Thompson. Exactly. I, that's you. it. You're a poet. You're a poet laureate. Yeah. You're great, but I never threw it in. We gave it our best shot. We won our share of games, and lucky to do it for 30 years as a head college as a head coach for 20, assistant for 10. So I was fortunate. I miss it, which I could do. He'll still do it, but it's for young people, and uh Right, you know, right now I'm just out to pass you with some old horses. You can never throw in the towel though when you have the friar mascot. If you're a friar, I mean, come on. I mean, you you yep. you, no. you got that on your side. You're never going to throw in the towel, right? Exactly. I'm a friar for life. It was a, a great school. I was there 4 years. I love coaching at Providence as well as Xavier, Virginia. Yeah. I was assistant at Notre Dame and Villanova and uh, Hawaii and VMI. So every stop was great. Uh, and I certainly love my time at Providence. That was our best team, yeah. 97, when we you know, got to the Elite Eight. And if I had an out-of-bounds play, we would have been the Final Four. We, we lost in overtime to Arizona, as you might recall. Uh, Lute's team, and uh, Lord of Mercy on Lute, too. Yes. Uh, we lost them. Another legend. Uh, we got beat by them uh, in the Elite Eight, and he went on to win the national title, as you know. Pete, uh, real quick, uh, give us some thoughts on Lute Olson as well, too. <clears throat> yeah, Lute was a consummate gentleman, class guy. I mean, he always looked great. Good-looking guy, six three, six four. Every hair in place. He, he a great recruiter. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, did unreal job recruiting. Uh, and he told me a story at the Final Four real quick. He said, "You know, we won the national title '97, but the key to that was Jason Terry." I said, "Wow." I said, "I know he's a great player, but what happened?" He says, "Well, uh, Miles Simon was ineligible the first semester. He didn't get eligible again until early January, and we had three pros in the back. We had Mike Bibby, a freshman, who was great." Dickerson, Michael Dickerson was a pro for about six years, and we had Jason Terry, who was a pro for 17, 18 years, you know, and, and all three were starting. So Coach Lutz says, well, what am I going to do? Miles Simon, he's not going to be happy coming off the bench. He's not going to be productive. So Jason Terry comes to Lutz. He says, Coach, I want a volunteer coming off the bench. I know Miles won't be comfortable coming off the bench, and, you know, uh, you know, I don't think he'll be as productive. I'll come off the bench, start Miles, and I'll be happy. I'm sure you'll give me a lot of minutes. So Jason Terry volunteered on his own. To come off the bench and that helped their chemistry and they won, went on to, to win a national title. But Lute told me a couple of years ago at the Final Four, that was the big key to their success, keeping the chemistry going, bringing Miles Simon as a starter and Jason Terry volunteering to come off the bench. Whose hair was more perfect of that silver lining there, Lute Olsen or Ted Baxter? 
<laughs> who was Ted Knight, was, by the way. No, Louis, they're very Louis similar. Wait, would you say that very similar hair? hair? They're always uh, in, in place. And the only time we saw Ted Knight's hair out of place when he was on the golf course at Caddyshack when Chevy Chase and Bill Murray got him riled up. Exactly, he got a little bit. Lou never. He had every hair in place. Exactly. He, he had, you know, I'm, I'm sure the product on there. But <laughs> both of them, both of them were, were certainly uh, uh, great hair pieces. I got a big head, but my hair goes sideways all over places. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stay in place. I got a cowlick. I got a lot of issues. All right, Pete. Before we let you go here, are we going to have some college basketball come winter time? DC, I hope so. I sure hope so. I, I think we will. Uh, we can't do it again. I mean, uh, losing March Madness was devastating for a lot of. Uh, colleges and universities. So we're going to have it. Uh, it might have to be in bubbles. Who knows what it's going to be like, whether it's just league games. I, I can't predict that. Um, I just wish people would take it more seriously. You know, forget being conservative or liberal or Democratic. Forget that. I'm not talking politics. Listen to the scientists. If they say, hey, wear a mask, you know, six-foot distancing, don't be in big groups for a long time, do it. These people are brilliant people. Listen to them, you know. So you, uh, I think we will. TC, but uh, it might be changed. As he said, it might be. I like to see it pushed back, frankly, to maybe January first, January fifteenth, so we can we can learn more about this terrible virus, you know, and and uh, and hopefully have you know more precautions, and hopefully we might have some type of therapeutics. If you won't have a vaccine, probably, but therapeutic that would slow this disease down and prevent it from getting lethal. All right, Pete, really appreciate the time. Uh, hopefully we do have some basketball, so you can come back to Vegas. I love having you on in person. We have a great time when you do that, when you come out here to the, for the Mountain West Conference. Uh, stay safe, my friend, uh, with the family, and really appreciate the time as always. Thank you, TC. Great being with you, and uh, hopefully to see you during the season. You got it. Pete Gillen, there it is, the coach. Virginia, Xavier, Providence. Uh, again, just a... Uh, fantastic coach and does a fantastic job with CBS Sports as their college basketball analyst. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, lifetime friar and that, but uh, you know, being an X-Man is not a bad thing either. I mean, it makes him a superhero right there. So, X, And boy, right. the, the, the Jason Terry story, as a coach, having a player like that, how priceless is that? Mm-hmm. A guy who comes up and says, look, this guy's not going to be comfortable. I will fill that role. I deserve to be the starter, but I know you're going to be fair to me, so I'm going to do this for the team. Mm-hmm. That's why he had such a long career even yeah. after college. Yeah, absolutely correct. All right, so Lute Olson and John Thompson pass away over the weekend. Just uh, very, very sad. So we appreciate our college uh, basketball analysts joining us, Steve Lapis yesterday and Pete Gillen today. VGK, 645 tonight, game number five. They try to close out the Canucks. What's going to happen? Uh, I, I think Vegas is going to win it. I don't know if uh, Vancouver, uh, it, their heart was taken out a little bit. And I think Robin Leonard is going to start, and I think he's going to be stellar once again. I, I, I think he's the better goaltender. Nothing against Marc-Andre Fleury. Fleury played well. Leonard is the guy. We'll see what happens. They definitely want to win. They're in the driver's seat. Lay a goal and a half tonight? I'm not gambling on the game, but but if I was going to, tonight would be the kind of game I am because if they get behind it, they're going to have to pull the goalie to try to get back in it, and that's when you can get empty netters and have weird things happen. Could get out of control. Great stuff, Frank. Appreciate it. Quake, pushing all the right buttons most of the time today. Kind of. Shout out to Numchuck, my man. There we go. He's out here today. It's creeping me out. There you go. All right, we're back at it again tomorrow. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. That Pete Gillen interview will be up a little bit later as well today. Appreciate you. We're back at it again tomorrow at 2 o'clock. We will talk to you then.